WSJM News Now. This is the 5 o'clock News Block on News Talk Sports 94.9 WSJM. Brought to you by Special Light in Decatur and Benton Harbor. There's a good chance you've walked through a Special Light door when you go to a local restaurant, school, store, or plant. In the newsroom, I'm Andrew Green. Michigan lawmakers want DTE Energy and Consumers Energy to come to Lansing for hearings on the latest power outages. State Senator Mallory McMorrow says it's time to get some answers. But we've got to bring everybody in sooner than later to understand what happened, where the issues are, what it's going to cost, and how we can modernize our grid to withstand these events. McMorrow tweeted on Sunday the length of the outages and freezing temperatures is unacceptable. She said she'll do the work to hold DTE and consumers accountable as well as demand improvements. Meanwhile, after ice storms left large areas of Michigan residents without power last week, State Attorney General Dana Nessel is calling on DTE Energy and Consumers Energy to issue credits for residents affected. Nessel says with an ice storm that was possibly one of the worst Michigan has seen in years, residents deserve a grid they can rely on. She says despite repeated requests, quote, utilities have failed to adequately invest in their own infrastructure or prepare for these storm events, choosing instead to leave ratepayers in the dark. Nessel calls the service quality standards not sufficient, adding the power companies need to right the wrong. She notes a 2022 order from the Michigan Public Service Commission called for an independent review of the adequacy of the electric distribution system operated by Consumers Energy and DTE Electric. She says that consumers should get automatic credits for power outages. The animal shelter operated by Berrien County Animal Control is overcrowded, and manager Ashley Herr is hoping the county can do something to help. She tells us the shelter is over capacity when it comes to dogs. Dogs, ideally, we'd stick around about 60 in the building at any given time because that's what we have kennels for. We're in the 70s right now, so we're pretty well over it, probably closer to like 80. We had to renovate our Sallyport garage area to be able to have more standalone kennels. A big part of the problem are dogs that are in the shelter because their owners are caught up in the criminal justice system. Typically, it's because they're in an animal-related case, but on other situations, we've had dogs where the owner was arrested for something completely unrelated to their dog or their pet, and we're just, they have no one to take care of it, so the dog has to come here. Purse says a large portion of the dogs at the shelter are there because of ongoing court cases. Animal control can only wait for a judge to issue a ruling that determines where the animal winds up. Her is hoping that talks involving Sheriff Paul Bailey and the prosecutor's office can lead to some relief, possibly a limit on how long a court case dog stays in the shelter. Meanwhile, you can help by adopting a dog or a cat. Also, if you need to rehome a pet, Her asks that you look at methods other than dropping them off at animal control. A public visitation, private memorial service, and funeral procession for fallen pawpaw firefighter Ethan Quillen will be held on Saturday. Quillen died in the line of duty last Wednesday when he was hit by a fallen power line during an ice storm in Almina Township. Public visitation on Saturday will begin at 10 a.m. at Pawpaw High School with a service to follow. The procession featuring Ethan's parents, grandparents, friends, and first responders will then head from the high school to Oakwood Cemetery in Allegan for a burial ceremony. Fox 17 will be streaming the funeral service at 12.30 p.m. and all other media are asked to remain on the funeral procession path and not come to the funeral or the cemetery. 17-year-old Shamaya Williams of Benton Harbor is the 2023 Boys and Girls Club of Greater Southwest Michigan Youth of the Year. She won last week over other local youths of the year and now be, will compete for the state title. Shamaya is a senior at Benton Harbor High School who's part of the varsity cheer squad, the band, the softball team, and the volleyball team. 
We asked her what motivates her to be involved. My family always makes sure that like, I know I can do anything, and they always push me to be my better self, especially my mom. My mom has always motivated me. Shamaya says that she's part of the Boys and Girls Club because it's like a family that encourages young people to be their best. She plans to attend Lake Michigan College next year to start working toward a law degree. Her goal is to become a public defender. I want to change the system to like actually be fair to everyone because sometimes you miss so much in life. And just because you did one bad thing, you miss so much in life. Jemiah hopes to eventually have her own law firm. She'll compete for the state title in April and then possibly for the national title. Students from 14 middle and high schools across Berrien County are gearing up to take part in the 36th annual Berrien Risa Science Olympiad this Friday at Lake Michigan College. The competition will feature 23 different STEM-related events of varying degrees, and at the end of the day, two teams from both the middle school and the high school competitions will move on to the state finals. Berrien Risa Student Activities Coordinator Tanya Snyder told us more about how the event benefits young minds. Anytime you receive a medal for something that you practice at, that can always be exciting and really help them think like, oh, I was good at that. Maybe I should keep up with that or try this as maybe a class to take or a career to head in that direction because I knew more than I thought I did or, you know, I did really well. So it can be kind of inspiring. Participating schools will include Berrien Springs Middle and High School, Brandywine High School, Buchanan Middle and High School, Lakeshore Middle and High School, Ring Larder Middle School, River Valley Middle School, Upton Middle School, St. Joseph High School, and Watervliet Middle School. The sheriffs of St. Joseph County is facing charges for a drunk driving crash in Schoolcraft Township early on Sunday. Michigan State Police say they arrested 47-year-old Three Rivers man after he failed sobriety tests just before 2.30 a.m., State police have not yet identified him pending his arraignment, but he is Sheriff Mark Lillywhite of St. Joseph County, Michigan, and he was taken to the Kalamazoo County Jail. He was released yesterday. The crash happened on a southbound U.S. 131 near West YZ Avenue and caused both Lillywhite's Chevrolet Traverse and the Nissan Rogue that he rear-ended to lose control and go off the road. Witnesses told troopers it appeared Lillywhite's headlights were not on before the crash. He's been the sheriff since 2021 after being elected in 2020 and has been with the St. Joseph County Sheriff's Department for 25 years. And a new interactive map shows stops along the Underground Railroad throughout Michigan, including right here in southwest Michigan. The Michigan History Center has collected two dozen stories not often found in textbooks of people fleeing enslavement in the mid-1800s, abolitionists who helped them in communities that stepped up protect, to protect freedom seekers. It says they're all compiled into the new map to help anyone interested uh, discover and learn more. In all, there are 24 stories. Among them is that of Stephen and Hannah Bogue, who were Quakers and staunch abolitionists who settled in Cass County in the 1830s. By 1841, they hosted meetings for the Young's Prairie Anti-Slavery Society in the house that still stands to this day. The Bogues and their neighbors put their values into action by supplying freedom seekers with food, shelter, financial assistance, and work. You can visit the Stephen Bogue commemorative marker at M60 and Crooked Creek Road in Cassopolis. We'll have a link to the new interactive map at our website. WSJM News Now continues with your Bloomberg report. WSJM News Now continues, brought to you by Imperial Furniture and Dwajak, where furniture shopping is fun. 
The Supreme Court is set to start hearing arguments tomorrow for and against President Joe Biden's student loan forgiveness program. ABC's Devin Dwyer has more. The U.S. Education Department last year, citing a need to protect the greater good during the pandemic, invoked emergency powers. This is a game changer. The agency offering to absolve as much as $20,000 of federal student loans for more than 40 million eligible borrowers. But the plan's $430 billion price tag didn't sit well with Republicans in six states who saw it as a bailout exclusive to college students. Parts of the Southern Plains are surveying the damage and counting the injured after tornadoes and other powerful winds. Forecasters warned today of continued high winds in parts of the Plains and of thunderstorms and possible tornadoes in the Ohio Valley. In Michigan, residents faced a fifth consecutive day without power following last week's ice storm. In California, weather officials said winter storms will continue moving into the state through Wednesday after residents got a brief break from severe weather. Also, parts of the Northeast that have seen little snow are under a winter storm warning. Many Americans are getting federal food assistance and will see their benefits go down this month as pre-pandemic-era supplements are set to expire. ABC's Ike Egiochi has more from Washington. In the fall of 2021, a roughly 20% increase in SNAP benefits took effect as part of the Families First Coronavirus Response Act meant to ease economic anxiety across the country. Now... Tens of millions of Americans in 32 states will see the pandemic boost expire by the end of February. Every SNAP household will see at least $95 a month less, but some will see reductions of $250 a month or more. The boost kept 4.2 million people out of poverty, according to a recent study from the Urban Institute. Ike Jachi, ABC News, Washington. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has signed a bill that gives him control of Walt Disney World's self-governing district, punishing the company over its opposition to what's known as the Don't Say Gay law. The bill requires the Republican DeSantis to appoint a five-member board to oversee the government services that the Disney district provides in its sprawling theme park properties in Florida. The governor signed the legislation today. The move comes as DeSantis gears up for an expected presidential run and marks a high-profile legislative victory for a governor whose leveraging of cultural and political divides has pushed him to the fore of national Republican politics. As cleanup and disposal efforts continue in East Palestine, Ohio this week, congressional Republicans are turning their attention to the EPA, launching a new investigation into the agency's response to the disaster. Republicans using this as an example of trying to hold the administration to account and provide oversight. We know that there's an inquiry in the House Energy and Commerce Committee, which is controlled by Republicans because Republicans control the House, into the EPA. They've requested already information from the EPA, including a detailed timeline of events from the derailment onwards. Republicans saying they want to hold the administration accountable. That's ABC's Jay O'Brien. Canada is banning TikTok from all government-issued mobile devices, reflecting widening worries from Western officials over the Chinese-owned video sharing app. Prime Minister Justin Trudeau says it might be a first step to further action. TikTok is a wildly popular app with young people, but its Chinese ownership has raised fears that Beijing could use it to collect data on Western users or push pro-China narratives and misinformation. Now that severe snow has moved on from California, more than 500 students who are stuck at a science camp are finally going home. ABC's Alex Stone is more from L.A. The students have been trapped at the science camp in Running Springs, a roads covered in snow. The camp in the San Bernardino Mountains was supposed to end on Friday, but the roads were buried, and the California Highway Patrol advised Irvine Unified Schools a student should remain at that camp 
Emotional students FaceTimed with their parents over the weekend. Some parents were determined to rescue their students, but they were told don't even try. Now the district says the CHP has told them the roads are safe for buses to go and get the students. The district saying the children are fine and will be coming home soon. Alex Stone, ABC News, Los Angeles. The distributor of the Dilbert comic strip says it will sever ties with creator Scott Adams over his recent racist comments. Andrews McMeal Universal said in a statement issued Sunday, Adams' comments were not compatible with the company's core values. The company also operates the popular Go Comics website, which scrubbed Dilbert from its site by this morning. Dozens of newspapers nationwide have said they will no longer run Dilbert, which started in 1989. Adams said on his YouTube channel Monday he did not consider the move censorship, but rather a business decision. And there's a new way to remove explicit photos from the Internet. ABC's Derek Dennis has more. It's a new tool from the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children and available by logging on to its website. It's called Take It Down. Those under 18 can upload a personal picture, get assigned an ID number that becomes a digital fingerprint. The picture is then entered into a database so that if it's found online, it can be quickly matched with the original owner and taken down. Facebook, Instagram, Ubo, and adult sites, including OnlyFans and Pornhub, are all participating, but some encrypted sites like WhatsApp are not participating. Organizers say teens may feel more comfortable using Take It Down than going to law enforcement. Derek Dennis, ABC News. WSJM News Now continues with your weather forecast.